Hi there, I'm Robert Hurst, and I welcome you to this podcast of Safe Zone, your one place for sane and practical discussion about keeping your place of worship safer. In the Safe Zone, we integrate common sense ideas and concepts from various disciplines for tips that help create greater safety and security. Safe Zone isn't just about you, it's about everyone you love and care for where you worship. Let's get into this episode of Safe Zone. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of Safe Zone, Safe Zone number 17. And we're going to continue on with what we started last week, which was a discussion on situational awareness, and we broke it into three rings. Now, I'm jumping right into this because, to be honest with you, there's so much to cover in ring number two and then ring number three next time. Um, I can't waste any time here. So part of this, for I, I have always hoped that for some of you, this is a review so that you can say, yep, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that. But I can guarantee you that from what I've seen over the last 10 years, all too often, this ring number two is where we begin to find a breakdown in the safety and security that goes into our buildings. So with that in mind, let's dig right into this. Um, Ring number two this week, all right, let's go back. Ring number one last week dealt with starting at the the street side or the street portion of your uh, property and coming all the way in through the parking lot. If you haven't heard that, go back and listen to that uh, last podcast for that. So ring number two, we're going to be talking about the exterior barriers. That includes the doors and the windows, anything that would allow ingress into your building. Now, Doors are the obvious ones, and this is where they are usually the weakest. Now, windows fall a close second in that weakness, but let's deal with the doors for a few minutes. When you walk up to the building, when you look at the door, what do you see? Now, I've had so many people tell me, we've got solid doors, nobody can get through, etc. and so forth. And then I will walk up, and I will see, particularly on an old building, I will see a hollow core wooden door with a uh, what I call a turnkey lock. In other words, it's built into the locking mechanism on the uh, knob, but the anti-shim device that is on the throw, that's the part that sticks into the frame, is not even pushed in enough to engage. In other words, that building has been there so long that it's shifted enough to where that door could be picked with the simple use of a credit card or a pocket knife. So let's talk about doors. Doors will come in several different types. There is the hollow core wooden door. There is the solid wooden door. There are metal clad doors. This is where they, in the older days, before they went to just pure metal, they would take a hollow core wooden door and they'd just simply put a layer of metal around it. And then, of course, there is the door that most people are seeing these days in the newer buildings, which is just metal. It's made out of metal. It's put together. It's pretty sturdy and things of that nature. So what do you have? Because if it's a hollow core door, one kick, we're through the door. If it's a solid core door, there are other weaknesses because it's going to take a pretty forcible entry to get through that door. Metal clad is pretty much like a solid core it's just not going to be worth the effort, and they're going to make a lot of noise trying to do it. And then, of course, the full metal door is pretty tough. So after you look at the material on your door, oh, by the way, I missed a door, didn't I? Some of you are sitting there, wait a minute, you missed mine. It's solid glass. I'll be honest with you, I don't even consider a solid glass door 
yeah, some are going to hit me on this, a true door. I consider it more of a time barrier or a um, courtesy barrier. In other words, I can see in, it's a barrier, but we know that I could go through that without any problems unless it is a very specific type of material that is not the normal glass that we see in most doors these days. So with that said, the next thing we look at is whether those exterior doors swing inward. In other words, I push it in when I'm walking in from the outside into the inside, or do they swing outwards? In other words, I have to take the handle, I pull it out towards me in order to walk through it. Right up front, if it swings inward, you need to be taking a good look at that door because that is a fire safety hazard. And there are all types of terrible, terrible tragedies in the past that bear witness to that when people, if a fire broke out, people would panic. They would hit that door, not realizing they need to pull towards them or they'd be trying to pull just as the crowd hit them from the backside and forced them against it. So all doors and need to swing outward on your building if it is an egress or an exit point of any kind for people. Now, under the new uh, building codes that have put, been put into place for the last couple of decades, that is, that's already taken care of. You're not going to get passed on building code unless it is that way. But there are older buildings that do not have this, so take a look at yours. After you check the swing, in other words, inward or outward, look at the hinges. Are the hinge pins, the, out, the part where the hinge actually pivots, are they on the outside of the door frame? Or are they on the inside of the building? If it swings inward, they're more than likely nearly always on the inside. If it swings outward, those hinge pins are nearly always going to be on the outside. Here's the challenge. On the outside pins or exterior pins can, uh, unless they're of a commercial anti-shim grade, they can be uh, jimmied, they can be popped out. And I literally, in my law enforcement career, saw one burglary where the guys came with a pry bar. They popped those hinge pins, they put that pry bar in, and they literally moved the frame of the door in order to pop that door out. So it can be done. So if you have pins on the outside, there's two ways to deal with it. One is to replace them with a commercial-grade anti-pry hinge. Or if you will open the door and you will look at the hinges, you will notice that the screws, when the hinge is closed, they match each other. So take one of the middle screws out at each hinge point and draw and replace it with a another screw that goes in but it's a little bit longer so the head of that screw sticks out say a quarter of an inch. Then take the facing screw on the other side of that hinge, remove it totally. When you close that hinge, the head of the, the part of the screw that is sticking out of one side should simply fit into the now empty spot where you remove the other screw. So there's no real issue. It just closes. Where the issue comes is if Mr. Bad Person comes along, tries to pop that hinge pin, and then put a pry bar in there to pry it out. Now you have at least two, if not three, depending on how many hinges you have, you have at least two to three points where it's going to be virtually impossible for them to move the frame enough to pop it out. So that's hinges. Then after that, we come back to the glass. Do you have partial glass? Do you have full glass? Do you have 
tempered safety glass. I got to tell you, some churches don't because I can remember as a child, you're talking to the guy who at a certain church uh, in a metropolitan area, we were outside playing before service in the evening. It was a Sunday evening, pretty loose time, uh, families together. And I was the guy that went for the long pass from the star quarterback and went up and hit that glass and came down. And nine stitches later, they put my arm back together. I mean, just a cut. It wasn't that serious, but it could have been. After that, the church replaced every glass on every door on the outside with tempered glass to try to make sure that either it would shatter or that there was some way to take the extra force. So you need to take a look at that from a safety standpoint. Then from a security, the good part of glass is that you can see what is coming. The bad part is they can see you if you're standing right in the middle of the doorway. So I prefer the glass. I prefer at least partial uh, with a good solid door, and that way you can see, you can take note, um, but you make it difficult for them to come in. Now, we're going to move on quickly to our midstream break because uh, we're moving right along on time this week. I may have to come back and cover this again in a separate broadcast. So let's do our midstream break here. Well, instead of focusing on a ministry at the midstream break this time, I want to give you some information I need your feedback on. The Safe to Worship podcast has been gathering steam and listenership numbers over the past few months, and for that I'm very grateful. And while I don't have the final answer when I come to you in these podcasts about safety and security issues for your house of worship, I hope that what we are bringing is a diverse information stream of issues, challenges, and potential solutions. Now, some of these solutions may be unique. Others are pretty standard. So through our business line, though, we have a separate business line called Safe to Learn, Lead, and Live, or we simply refer to it as Safe to L3. We work with businesses with the same types of issues that we highlight right here on Safe to Worship. Now, I've begun to receive an increasing number of suggestions to keep the podcast name Safe Zone, but to make the audience language more encompassing to include businesses as well as places of worship, since Pretty much the principles and the ideas are applicable both ways. No one has you know, said anything against what we've been saying. It's quite the contrary. Their comment is that by focusing the discussion on all types of businesses and buildings and even families, that I might be able to grow the audience even more. So let me ask you, what are your thoughts on this? Would you please drop me an email at robert at safe to worship. That's three words, safe to worship, all crammed together. Dot com Robert at safe to worship.com I will share your feedback not with your name on it but I will share the aggregate feedback as it comes in and we'll just kind of see where we're going to go with this now let's get back to ring number two of situational awareness the exterior so now we've looked at doors we've looked at the glass that's in them let's look at the locking mechanism on the door now let's go back to those doors where there is an exit from the building Building codes that are modern, or the building was built with a more modern building code, require what you might call a crash bar. It's a fire safety bar. In other words, any person that leans into that bar immediately opens it so that uh, they can get out of the building safely. But here's the question. Can those doors be easily secured from the inside in a lockout or a lockdown situation. And if you're not sure what that is, go back to podcast number 11 and 12 regarding the concepts of standard response protocol. And this is critical. 
because most uh, buildings, they will lock the that mechanism where you can just pull the door open. It's not locked at all. Of course, once again, coming from the inside, you would simply push on that bar and you're out. But you need to make certain that if you needed to, in an emergency, lock that door, how would you do it? Who has the Allen wrench, which is what many of them use, or who has the key? And you usually will find the key type on the older door mechanisms like that. The point is, who has it? Where is it? Do they know how to operate that door? Do they know how to lock it down quickly? You still have the fire safety, once again, where people could crash out, but you want to keep anything bad outside from pulling the door open and coming on in. So double check on that this week. Then we get to the options for our glass and our locks. When you have full panes of glass, you have not very many options. One of them is to replace the door. One school system that I consulted with replaced every outside glass door with metal doors with glass partial windows that they could see through. They just could not take the risk in these days and times. Some churches are beginning to do this too, particularly on the doors that don't need to be full glass. They were just there, uh, put there in the old days when the church was built um, for aesthetics. But you can replace them with polycarbonate material, and that is what you see at banks that uh, people refer to it as bulletproof. It's really not bulletproof, but it is certainly bullet-resistant to different levels, depending on what you how thick of polycarbonate you put there. The second uh, thing we need to look at is the lock. Now, that's simple. If you've got an old building with a deadbolt lock that you lock, and you run the risk of locking people in, get rid of it. On any external door, it needs to have the fire safety code type crash bar on it, period. Then I've already mentioned you can replace the doors, or you can do something a little more expensive, which many of the newer, more modern, and they have a little bit more budget to work with, churches are doing, and that's uh, replacing everything with an electronic access for staff and those people that have the little cards like you see. You know, they swipe the card or they uh, use a proximity card where they simply have to get it, put it there, or they may put uh, the punch code type where you key in a code on a pad and it lets you in. That still keeps the general public out, or it funnels them to the main doors, but it allows people to come in and out. That is a decision for you to make based on need and, of course, on budget. But let me tell you what this all boils down to. You can do all that you want to with barriers, but if you're not situationally aware at all times of what's going on around you and your building, it's not going to do a lot of good. What we're talking about today gives you the ability to see what's coming. It gives you a means to notify others by seeing early, and it allows you to be able to react more quickly. But if you're simply relying on everything in Ring 2 that is a barrier to help you, you will fail miserably. Everything starts within your brain, within your mind, your eyes, your ears, as you are situationally aware and listening and looking. Well, that's a very quick run-through of ring number two. I promise me I could make it much deeper and much more detailed. But I'll say that for when you ask me to come out and take a look at your church, which you can do that by emailing me at that same Robert at safetoworship.com. So until next time, next time we come together, we're going to talk about ring number three, the interior. Look forward to seeing you then. 
That wraps it up for this episode of Safe Zone. Take what you learned and help bring a newfound peace of mind to those you worship with by making it a safer place to worship. I have an action request for you, as I always do, and that is that you go to iTunes or whatever podcast service you use. Leave us a favorable rating, please. That helps us in the overall very crowded podcast marketplace. While you're there, be certain to take a moment and hit the subscribe button so you won't miss a single new episode. And if you would, please forward this podcast to your friends and associates that are in your sphere of influence on a daily basis. Hey, after all, we're in this together, so let's learn together and grow together. Until next time, have a great day, have a safe week, and wherever you worship, let's make it a safe place to worship. Blessings to you. 